Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Asianish. If you're new here, this is a radio show and podcast about all things Asianish. Here, you'll find that very few topics are off limits, since my guests and I will be talking about identity, politics, society, culture, lifestyle, feminism, and sexuality, among other things within the different diasporas of Asia from outside Asia. You know, because we're Asianish. If you're into those sorts of conversations and you're not easily scared off from digging into deep and personal topics, come join us in the realm of Asianish today. So for those of you who have just joined, I'm Vinnie Sandhu, your host, a British Indian Sikh. More importantly, I'm also Asianish. Thank you for tuning in today and downloading this podcast. Be sure to subscribe on the available streaming platforms and previous episodes can be found after airing live on Mondays. You don't have to listen in any particular order, just head on over to check out some uncensored thoughts and opinions on virtually every topic under the sun. Today's episode is all about moving out and moving on. Why is there a stigma around moving out of our parents' homes? Why is there another stigma around not moving out of our parents' homes? We are digging into our experiences of staying in our parents' homes and moving out of them too. And since we're still in the middle of a pancetta, Pandora's box, panoramic, whatever you want to call it, and you're experiencing cabin fever at home with your parents, don't worry, we've also got you covered. We're going to be talking about physical space, mental space, and emotional space when it comes to moving out and moving on. As many of you already know the drill, I have a guest with me who's also going to share their experiences today. Rhea, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, of course. Hi, everyone. My name is Rhea. I'm 22. I'm British Pakistani, and I currently live in East London studying international relations at Queen Mary University. I'm in my final year of uni, set to graduate, hopefully, um, this year. We have both moved out of our family homes. I mean, I'm back at home now, thanks to this lovely pancetta, panna cotta, <laughs> whatever you want. Panoramic. Oh, I love the panoramic. My brother didn't understand. Panoramic is my favorite. In a whole panoramic, I love that. Because it's been going on for so long, like one of those long ass pictures. So long, yeah, don't remind us. So I think I have been lucky that my mother was keen for me to move out of the house. It wasn't in a pernicious way, but it was made clear to me that throughout university, I had to move out of the house. Mm-hmm. And for my mother, it has always been about independence and learning essential life skills in how to take care of yourself. And I really needed those life skills, mainly because all I could make was a sandwich. And I didn't realize that until I got to uni that I didn't even know how to cook for myself. <laughs> and I never understood it growing up because obviously I was a very frugal person as a teenager, you know, because I started getting uh, student loans and I was just like money, money, money all the way and then I was ready to save every penny rather than paying rent but then when I moved out I actually started living life for myself so what has your experience been like moving out of your parents home and how have you found living outside of your parents home well my experience is kind of complicated because I actually moved out to go to uni and then dropped out of uni and then came back home and then moved out again to go to Queen Mary so it's like kind of disjointed because well I grew up in a really white area so my family is from um Walthamstow East London which is great because it's like a super Pakistani area but me and my parents and my sister we live in Hull which is like up north and we live in a small we don't even live in the city we live in a very small town um, where like it's super white, super elderly, literally like 
no one I was the only Pakistani like Asian South Asian girl in my whole year um and there was literally like I think there was four of us that were not white um so like I forced the magic number when it comes yeah I don't know what it is there was like literally you can't get past one hand like I can literally count the non-white people on one hand it will never get past that point um so I was growing up in a white area I really was like desperate to move out because um, I wanted to be like everybody else. That's all you want when you're a teenager. Like you just want to fit in, right? So I always wanted to be like everybody else. And I always felt like living at home with my parents, being Pakistani and being Muslim means that I can't do that. So I was desperate to move out. In terms of life skills, my my parents, my mom mainly had like taught me everything. Um, typical Desi girl household. Like I remember, <laughs> I remember in year six. So I was like, what, 11? We went on a, like, you know, when you go on residential trips in primary school. I wasn't allowed to go on those. You weren't allowed. Oh, that's actually really Because I was a girl, I couldn't go on those. That is so sad, but yeah, also makes sense. But I I was allowed to go on them. And I remember being in year six and we got to our our rooms at this place that we went to. And I was the only one that knew how to make a bed. Like I was changing everyone because you had to make up our own beds. Okay, that I I know how to do. I was like (laughs) the only one that knew how to change a bed properly and like put pillow covers on and like do a duvet because everyone else was like, what is this? And I was like, my mom's taught me how because I'm... Asian um so like life skills was fine like I I kind of I could cook a decent meal like um I knew how to sort of do like household stuff uh, at my, myself but it was kind of more about getting that independence of being free from the shackles mm-hmm. of being under your parents roof for me but when I actually moved out because I hated I mean I didn't move I didn't drop out of uni because I hated being at home I dropped out because I hated my degree that's a whole other story um but like I actually found that I had all these life skills and I was fine like living alone but I actually didn't know what to do with this newfound independence mm. that I had like I kind of felt like I'd spent so long like when you're at home it feels like all the things that I wanted were just things that I weren't allowed to do like obviously you can't have mm. it. it means you want it more right so I felt like that's kind of what I was always doing with my life and then I got my independence and I was like well now I don't know what to do with myself because no one's holding me back but I actually like I'm not really sure who I am and like what I want to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's you don't know weird. what to do when you've got the thing you've wanted. So, Cause you've been wanting it, but you haven't yeah. been planning to do with what you're going to do when you get it. Exactly. So I kind of found it really weird, like being alone and like not really having like a family base. I think it, I didn't realize how much that I actually am like in, grounded with my family or how much I actually value having family around me until I left and then didn't have that and could do what I want and was like actually I just want my the comfort of my family so then I when I moved back home I think that year because I've not I didn't have a very good relationship with my parents growing up because I was like the rebel teenager of the family and like I was that one kid that decided to go off the rails and she was a teenager and my whole family were like <gasps> just oh my god vision on this this who is she like she's ruined our family lineage of being perfect because I came along and ruined everything so if it was perfect yeah. to begin with <laughs> of course I, I, I was that, that kid that ruined the um the the high standards of family our family or girls in the family especially so I kind of had to come back home and get to grips with with the fact that I actually didn't enjoy moving out as much as I thought I would and then I moved out again and had a much better experience second time around because I was in a place where things were much more normal like I was in an Asian area my family were relatively close by in London so I think that definitely changed a lot of things for me actually moving to an area where I was close enough to family that I had them 
when I mm-hmm. needed comfort and when I wanted to see them but I also had my independence so for me moving out was about finding that balance which I yeah. think was something I didn't think I'd want I thought I would want full independence and to be completely far away from everything that I've ever known but actually it was like no I don't I don't want that so yeah I went off the rails at uni that was because when I got the f- I, I can't say I got the freedom at uni because I would always had it and I think my mum realized that because she was always very aware growing up that if you don't give the child what they want they're gonna yeah. want it even more so oh 100% strict parents can sometimes breed the worst children yeah so when I wanted a goddamn piercing she was like okay she threw me down the chair. she was like okay let's do this let's do this she got I only wanted my nose pierced she got my freaking cartilage pierced as well oh my god she wanted her cartilage pierced so then a month before I finished my exam she got my sister's cartilage pierced and her nose pierced oh my god <laughs> wow your mum was living for it she was like yeah let's do this like because then she's like well if Ricky eventually wants a nose piercing then at least she'll have one now so you'll both have yeah. the same piercings and I'm just like I just wanted the one but like okay cool and then like thanks for letting me have more and then I was just like I want more piercings and then she would be so into the idea of like me getting more piercings yes I wanted nipple piercings at one point it was it was the entire trend when we were 17 I don't know what it was and then my mom was just like we were in London that day and she was like okay let's get, pop into Liberty let's get to Mary Tash and get your nipples done and I was just like oh my god wow so into the idea that I was like this is my moment of rebellion and you're taking it away from me <laughs> I was fuming and she was like well I thought you wanted to get it done and I knew what she was playing at I could see in her eyes reverse psychology she played you she, she was played playing you. me but the thing was now that I but she was on board. She said the words. They came out of her mouth. And I knew that if I played into this, I I would be the loser. But then I was just like, but then it wouldn't be me rebelling. She She's yeah. already made it clear that she's okay with it. And it's playing on my mind. So I couldn't do it. But now with hindsight, I'm so glad she played tricks on my mind because I would never <laughs> want to do that. It takes a year to heal. Oh, like God. Yeah. To, not- heal to a year. And I'm like, um, no I don't want to do that it's not for me and then this girl yeah. told me about how hers got rejected and I was just like sitting there in court oh, like, no that's something God. that I would never do I could never do that there's a thing like with my parents weren't that strict compared like this is the thing what is this the scale of strictness or like how strict your parents are or how liberal they are like it really varies on what you're used to because um, yeah. in the grand scheme of things my parents probably aren't as strict as like I know people from home who weren't allowed to go to uni in another place they had to stay at home for yeah uni. that's a big whereas, thing it's like so for me that's very very restrictive whereas my parents were so happy for me to move out and go to uni so uh, you could say that my parents weren't strict um and in the grand scheme of things they weren't I do have the benefit of being the second child so like my oldest sister probably had the try she was the trial child of like all the Wait, they kept saying sister? no to her and then when it came to me they were like oh well we tried with the older sister like we'll just let the younger one do what she wants so I do have that small benefit um she's two years older than me so she kind of had to go through that before I did um but at the same time now it like you said with hindsight there are things that my parents didn't let me do and I like hated them for at the time and now I'm like I'm so glad they didn't let me do that like I am so thankful that they were strict on me in this moment (laughs) because I would regret 22 year old me would have so regretted that so I think hindsight definitely helps with that 
I love how it also like I would regret it when I'm older, and then you. Yes, you would. Oh my god, I was like, an idiot. I remember this one. This is nothing to do with moving moving out. So sorry to go off topic, but I remember everyone used to wear Doc Martens, and I wanted a pair of Doc Martens so bad. I bought a pair of Doc Martens with no idea that the history behind, like, so obviously when my mom was growing up in the 70s and 80s in Walthamstow, East London, Doc Martens used to be the shoe that was not, I'm not saying people's clothes represent them, obviously. Yeah. But like Doc Martens were the shoe that was associated with like the um, white, like nationalist, EDL, yeah. like, skinhead type people who were extremely racist and um, would, the kind of people that would commit hate crimes against Pakistani people, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what Doc Martens were associated with. So when my mum saw me buy a pair of Doc Martens, she was like, absolutely not. Like, you are not wearing those. Yeah. And she made me give them back. And at the time, I was like, oh, I hate that. Like, I really want to be, I just want to be like everyone else. Everyone was wearing Doc Martens. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm so thankful that she made me take them back. It's such a minor example, but like, it, it just shows like sometimes with hindsight I'm like if I'd kept those and been wearing those with pride like that would have been that wouldn't sit right with me now being yeah. and knowing what I know so sometimes they actually do have a, a good idea of things although you know saying no for a good reason I used my best. Doc Martens to kick white boys who would bully me and like get physically violent with me and <laughs> that's what that, I was that's reclaiming the agency of Doc Martens and I support that <laughs> I mean, I was punished for wearing them at first, mainly by the shoe itself. My mum got them for me. She was like, yeah, they're so trendy, like, they're cool. And, what? and I'm like, okay, cool. And then I wore them. They cut up my feet like anything. Oh, yeah. I've heard they're so feel- uncomfortable to break in. So. Oh, you need a hammer and Vaseline broken in straight away. My parents are like, what are you doing to the shoe? And I'm just like, I'm doing what everyone should be doing. Everyone else does. You've got to break the shoe yourself. You've got to, sh- it's like training a dog. <laughs> but like instead of training a dog you're training this to be you're, you're training this thing into submission the shoe yeah, I, the I have shoe. I have tri- tips and tricks on this so if anyone wants to know how I broke down my dog Martins to submit to me <laughs> I'm your girl right here but moving back <laughs> pun intended, uh, to the conversation, (laughs) there is also a massive stigma around moving out of your parents' home throughout the different diasporas, particularly for women, as it can be seen as subversive. It really isn't. Just a little um, asterisk warning for anyone who disagrees with that. Um, And there are forums on how to convince your parents to let you move out the house. I found this when I was researching for the episode. But why is this, you know, does it come to our collectivist values? Is it because parents think it would create space for bad behavior? And what are your thoughts on the stigmatization? Yeah, I think that the stigma arises from the fact that if you think about the expectations on girls and the expectations on boys, boys are expected to, you know, go out into the world and make it and travel and find their careers mm. and, and do whatever and live independently. They're expected to do that. Whereas girls, our expectations primarily reside in the home. Like all the things and the standards that are on us are things that take place in the realm of the home, you know, being a wife, being a mother, um, serving people, cooking, cleaning, like all of those typical traditional things. Those are all things that we can do at home it's not expected of us to go and live our lives and find ourselves and travel and do whatever right so I think that's where the stigma of of not wanting girls to move out comes from because you are always seen as someone that 
your responsibilities or your what society and our culture does project on you are things that should be at home, right? Coupled with the fact that, you know, the world isn't a safe place to be a girl, but typically instead, this isn't specific to, mm. to South Asian culture. This is just yeah. a patriarchy across the board, but like it is very strong in South Asian culture instead of, um, you know, putting the responsibility on the behaviors of others and men who make the world an unsafe place for women. The responsibility is on us women and girls to keep ourselves safe. And that means we have to stay at home, right? So I think those things kind of create the stigma and like mm. reinforce it. And yeah, bad behavior, I guess, as well, because, you know, like like you said, bad behavior and what is considered bad behavior are just things that boys probably can do, but as girls, yeah. you shouldn't because you're supposed to be at home. So they kind of all linking together. And I think that's, it, it is, it's a problem that's, you know, our traditions and, you know, yeah. you're, you, you, you don't want to, like, I don't, I don't hate my family for, wanting to keep me safe or like they're not yeah it's the logic behind it which is a little bit twisted and like I said it kind of puts the responsibility on on restricting girls rather than allowing them to be to be free and and deal with those problems for themselves so I think that's where it comes from again like I said it depends on like how strict your family is because my my family were like totally they're glad that I moved out and they're like happy for me to be independent and learn those skills for myself and figure out the world for myself but um, I think, yeah, community values as well. You don't want your girl to do something that someone else will be like, oh, what's she doing? And oh, what, what might they think? That typical, like, gossiping family, aunties and, like, community and all that stuff um, that definitely plays into it as well. Like, what will other people think if we're letting our daughter do this? Um, as well, because girls are, this is very, very traditional. And thankfully, my family don't think this way. Um, but girls are always seen as something that should be owned. Again, this isn't actually specific to South Asian culture. Yeah. Um, it's just, it just kind of plays into like our marriage traditions and stuff like that. Like girls are always seen as something to be owned. Like you're firstly owned by like your parents, you're in the, under your parents' household. And then when you get married, which is like the next stage in our lives, apparently, um, you're like owned by your husband. Right. So it's that ownership kind of thing, which, I think, like my, like I said, my family's good. They don't think like that. Um, and But that breaking that down, moving out would break that. You know, you're not under anyone's mm. ownership if you move out and find and live by yourself and do what you want or find your own place in the world. So I think that's why there's like a big tension between moving out and being a girl in South Asian culture because of all those things. I was just like this weird, in my case, I would say it's this weird generational thing because my mother grew up predominantly here because she moved when she was five years old. And so she, obviously the 80s and 90s were not a good part of British history. I mean, none of it is. Is there anything that's a good part of British history, really? Being an immigrant at like in the second half of the 20th century definitely isn't a highlight. (laughs) to put it in the nicest way possible you shouldn't have to but who knows who'll be listening to this and (laughs) it's I can I can see where my grandparents are coming from in strictness but like some of the stories you hear from my aunties and my mom's cousins and stuff it's insane and then you hear about things like daytimers where um Bessie kids would sneak off to go to a daytime rave because they couldn't Those go raves, yeah because they couldn't go to the club and stuff and like or they couldn't like go out after school because 
you know, school and work are the only two things that really mattered. And I just, it's strange because my grandparents were just like, oh, you know, just let Vin stay at home. She's going to London anyway, so she can just commute in and out. And my mom put her foot down and she was like, because my sister went to uni um, outside of the city, obviously she had to live near her uni. But with me, she was just like, she turned around, she's like, why shouldn't she learn how to live by herself? She's going to learn how to do laundry. She's going to learn how to do this and that. And not because she hadn't taught it to me beforehand, but she was just like, you need to be ready for that situation. Should it? It's totally different. Doing those things at home and actually having to do those things yourself, like when you live alone and fit it into your schedule yourself and not having the expectation that if you don't do it, someone else will. Like it's, it's totally different living, living out and doing all those things. I think the one thing I really learned is how much I despise circuit laundry. Oh, it does who doesn't? Who isn't a uni student yeah, that doesn't? I actually commuted home. No, I actually the, the only time like I properly commuted home was whenever I did laundry. I was like, I'm using my own washing machine. Yeah. A because like that same five quid, I mean it took yeah, two pounds fifty there and back. I would be at home and I wouldn't have to have groceries for the weekend either. I could just like eat at home and stuff and cook for myself there. Well, here now because I'm at home again and I was just like you know what best laundry experience ever I'll be back in two weeks to do my next batch of laundry yeah. <laughs> you then guys and it was just brilliant and then I had a functioning iron that worked. it was just like oh you know don't. you're giving me flashbacks the first year where you'd have to clean the dust out of the filters on the circuit laundry dryers otherwise your clothes would just be soggy in the swirling oh, around oh, it's so gross <laughs> It's, it's when they start leaking out and stuff and then also people just like to throw your shit out and everything yeah and finding someone's like random socks and like with my laundry and I'm like that's so gross because people don't empty their shit properly so yeah, yeah. no I'm really like AWOL about AWOL I don't I don't think that's the right term I'm very like pernickety about taking like everything has to be empty because my socks kept on going missing as my parents were doing it and they're just like I don't understand where your socks are going and I'm like because you, you guys kind of leave them in there every now and then and then I am not separating them yeah I think the only thing I do hate about doing laundry at home is I have really nice socks okay I'm re- this is this is a big issue in my life right now okay and I know it's not a big thing to everyone else but it's a big deal to me I get nice socks I get Marks and Spencer's socks, okay? They're they're like butter on your feet, okay? (laughs) And every year it's like clockwork. I soon start to lose a pair of socks each week until I'm only left with ones with holes. But I I know these are MNS, but they're just like really old. But I'm like, they can't (laughs) age that quickly, right? I did a little sneak upstairs. My sister has my socks. She has been... So she'd already taken my previous MS ones, used them. <laughs> and now she's using my new ones. And I, and I was just like, so then I, I, I confronted her about this and she was like, well, maybe if you picked your socks up on time, they wouldn't have gone oh. missing. And I'm just like, this, this entire socks, like, it's, it's world free. <laughs> I remember my brother also got really nice ones from Nike. And I think the other one pair was from Calvin Klein or something. You know, he likes to treat himself well with his, like, because he's like very into shoes. So Sounds very stealable socks. socks. Yeah. And I'm like, he's got to have the nice socks with it. He's, he's a very like, 
he's very focused on what's going on there. And those socks got those socks got stolen too. And he was then I was the first person he accused. I'm like, why would I steal them? A they're white. I, I don't <laughs> I don't wear white socks, I'll have you know. I like to wear my black ankle ones or like the ones that go slightly above. They're from MS, you know, the nice ones. Mm-hmm. And then he was just like, okay, then where have they gone? And then he goes to her mom and I'm like, you're missing the main culprit, but I'm gonna let you figure out who the main culprit is here. <laughs> And then my sister, she was just sitting there on the sofa and she was wearing these socks. Like, and I'm just like, how are you missing the scene of the crime in front of you? The criminal is right there. She's wearing the stolen item. Like, And then he realizes, he's just like, why are you wearing my socks? And this entire thing. And I'm just like, she's a sock thief. And I don't know how in the future I'll be living with her, but... Um, let me tell you, I'm going to put those socks, not any like jewelry I own, which is all probably like fake anyways, <laughs> but the, the socks the sock. are going in the safe. Those are going in the safe. Like my, that'll be my passport, emergency funds and my socks. And socks. <laughs> I don't know why we have this sock issue in this family, but I feel like other families can relate to it. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that people... So I haven't actually gone home throughout the whole pandemic um, and lived at home, but I know a lot of people that have and have ended up having to go back to living with their parents have found that random things just become conflict that you don't even realise were conflict when you live alone. Those were conflicts when we were, like, I was living here during my, like, colleges as well. But when you go and you live by yourself, you're just like, oh these are things that are suited to me also known as being up at 3am and still working Mm -hmm. or getting a nice snack for yourself because you function like two hours ahead like two hours behind everyone I remember the first time I was like like eating at 1am and they were just like um what is what is this What, what are you doing what you know something that really doesn't fly living at home that you do all the time when you live out ordering takeaway why is that a crime ordering takeaway is literally a crime when you're because at home there's food in the fridge because there's food in the fridge right <laughs> there is but i'm like i order thing. takeaway like ordering takeaway is a highlight of like i try not to do it like so often that it breaks the bank but mm. you know when uber eats send you a code you just can't help it like you got yeah. all the food right so i do probably order food once a week maybe 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 once every two weeks if I'm being like good with my money but like ordering food at home my sister she lived with my grandparents for a few years while she was at uni because she didn't want to live out but she she wanted to save money so she lived with my grandparents because she went to uni at Queen Mary as well actually um so she lived with them and she literally like she would never be allowed to order takeaway because you can't offend your grandparents like that by ordering outside food. It would only be if there was a special occasion like that we were allowed to get like pizza or something. But it's like such a crime that you can't order food when you're living at home. Whereas me right now, I'm like, Uber Eats, take my money, take it all. You can't actually order packages when you're at home. That's my home. Like every time a package comes through, it's just like, what, what? and then it's like how many you've been ordering and I'm just like I have that's been a problem ordering. I'm so glad I don't have like it really depends like if you order a lot then it kind of just like because it's happening so often they don't realize it but I think really at the beginning of the pandemic because everyone was getting cabin fever very early on it was just like oh my god the postman came and gave a box and I'm just like 
yeah, it's supplies and stuff for my dissertation because I have to do it in the middle of a panty. But <laughs> go off, go off, parents. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's still going on with the packages. Yeah, I think ordering something and knowing that I've got something coming on the way is like the small dose of serotonin. <laughs> I'm That's like, yeah, your package. Like if, when you're at home, like I've been on my own. I do have a flatmate, but she's at home with her parents. So. I've been on my own for, well, basically since the start of January when lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only thing that makes me feel something new, considering I've been alone for, what, six, seven weeks now and not yeah. seen a single person, the only thing I get is packages. So I'm like, yay, it's so happy. And I can imagine if I was living at home and I was getting this many packages, my parents would be like, what are you, all, like, what is there to buy? Like, why are you buying things? <laughs> you're not going anywhere what is it to buy stop it but I'm like no I need to buy things for when I am allowed out the house again which will go out of style because exactly probably probably. no I'm still wearing my stuff I'm just like everyone has to appreciate the outfit before I retire it it's it's just my rule of law but speaking of the pandemic it hasn't exactly been kind to anyone as we've already mentioned and unless you have a million sitting in your bank account like it's it's not going to be kind to you and for me as a master student I just couldn't justify paying rent for one in-person class yeah which was then moved online towards the end of first semester because flu season was picking up there were also very few resources that I can access in person as a historian so I just couldn't wrap my head around paying 15 grand for accommodation about 15 grand grand. and so then you know you're just sitting in your room so last year in April I moved back home full-time why do you think others stigmatize the choice of staying at home when it's not a decision they have made for themselves I've been guilty of this too Mm -hmm. and it's admittedly a privileged stance to take yeah I think that that stigma comes from if you live, there's a weird thing about if you live at home, it's not, you're not successful. So like Mm -hmm. moving out is seen as like a next step in life and a step to being an adult and adulthood and a step to like your future. So I think if you then go backwards on that, it kind of feels like it's, you know, unsuccessful if you don't have your own place, if you live at home with your parents, like, oh, you're this, this, age and you still live at home what's that about like that's a really weird stigma um which I find yeah I think it is really privileged to be able to move out and actually afford and so many students you know you want to take that step to live out and then you have to work to survive right Mm -hmm. so but at the same time living at home is seen as such a bad thing I think it's to do with not feeling like you're successful not independence feels like you know it feels like it's something that you own and if you're at home it feels like you're back under you know your parents Mm -hmm. own everything um and I think that's definitely where it comes from I don't agree with that I think uh, especially in a pandemic like yeah being able to live at home and be surrounded by family and be safe with them is is a a blessing right so I think it's hopefully that stigma is is being done with after this pandemic people realize it's not a bad thing to live at home at all um, but I think it may, it does make you feel like, especially if everyone else you know is is living out or like has their own place, mm. it makes you feel like, oh, well, why don't I? I live at home, like, and it makes you feel like you're 
back in the constrict like constrained bubble of like being under someone else's house rather than being on in your own place I think I always came from stigmatizing it based on how guys would tell me they lived at home and it wasn't about success because it was like other uni guys I mean Mm -hmm. I didn't really date within my age group mainly because just in case everyone from another uni like University of London like you know people know each other and I was just like I'm not prepared to deal with the mutuals I can't so it would always be like twos above me and stuff but when I did date guys within um university age and they told me they lived at home it was the reasoning behind it if they were just like oh you know it's just cheaper to live at home and then commute in and stuff I'm like that's perfectly fine mm-hmm. however I would spend a hefty amount of time trying to steer away from the desi guys that would tell me they lived at home because their mom takes care of them Oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. And that's I don't know whether that's life. a bad thing for me to say because, you oh. know, it's good that your mom takes care of you and stuff. But um, the extent to which I I've think- heard, because they do the cooking for them, they do the cleaning for them. The- I mean, they wipe their asses for them. <laughs> that's and the I- problem. See, that's where the problem is. It's not you're living a, it's not a bad thing that your mom likes to take care of you. Of course she does. Is that you expect that from all women in your life now. That's the problem. Okay, so it's not me that's the problem here. I- no, it's not because this is actually I I remember seeing this on tweet. Um, do you know the Indian matchmaking that oh no, no awful no, no, no. awful show? Tell me that I hate awful it. Netflix show. But there was this one guy that stuck out for me. There was this one guy who was on that show who actually said, "I'm basically looking for my, for my wife to be basically like my mother." And I was like, "Oh my god." this is we are born to suffer if this is if this is our pool of men because that's the problem like it's the problem with you know guys who are used to having their mothers caring for them all the time and doing everything for them is it just keeps their conditioning of like that's a woman's role and that's what they're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and then they project that on you as like someone that's you know a potential girlfriend or, or whatever. Freud is seeing like, this like from like above or below wherever the hell Freud would be and he is some like I love the fact that they have given him validation for that theory who'd have, who'd have thought it'd be the Desi boys honest to god and no this guy was saying it to me on a date mind you about how you know how he likes his mother taking care of him and stuff you know and then how even when he had moved out for uni I mean he had moved out in first year then dropped out and then came back to do a degree at Lon- in London so you could commute in and stuff but then they were like yeah my my mom would always visit me she wouldn't like leave me alone my parents would always come every week to check on me and stuff and I'm just like I I don't know where to put it because your feelings about this are more of your mother taking care of you and you just didn't know how to take care of yourself yeah that's a uh, that's the thing I had one of my flatmates in first year he was Indian in halls he was Indian and he's a great guy he's a great friend we're very good friends I'm not trying to shade him but I used to make fun of him all the time because he literally didn't know how to do anything I had to show him how to cook spaghetti it's spaghetti you literally just boil the pasta like he did not know how to do anything and I was like what I remember he made a ready meal once and he was like what do I do I was like there's first of all there's instructions on the back second of all you literally just put it in the microwave like what is so difficult about this but he had no life skills and I'm like I 
I don't know how you're okay with this. I actually don't know how you can live life with not even the skills to make a ready meal in the microwave when there's instructions on the yeah. packet. So yeah, that's that's a different stigma of like that's different from not wanting to live at home because it makes you feel like you're um you know not independent and then the, you've got the whole yeah. other section of men, Asian boys particularly wanting to live at home or like feeling like living at home means that you're just under you know being coddled by your parents I think the thing is I won't do it for you say if I'm in a relationship which haha I'm laughing at because I don't want to be in one but if you can take care of yourself I don't mind cooking a meal for you for us it won't be solely for you I, I have to gain something out of it but if you can't even do that, then honey, I'm not getting I'm not gonna get the rolling pin out and try yeah. to attempt making a rotia. Like I'm not yeah. gonna try. I can't make them, but I'm not gonna try. <laughs> I tried to to learn how to, to make them when I, I used to live with family, but <laughs> ah, when you do some alone, kind of magic on it. I don't know. They've got this magic touch. They're just like practice. And I'm like, well, <sighs> who am I going to practice with like I, I can't do it it's there's so many steps involved and like the way they get it so round and perfect and I'm like how what have you done to get so, it this shape so the thing is you with the rolling pin you've got to put pressure on one side and kind yeah. of push it as you move it and mine always doing it I was like Mine always turns out like an alien's head like you know that kind of alien yes. shape I've always got mine turn out like I'm like what is this also, my mum will t- directly touch it. She, you know, like how they have like people now use like tongs or something. They they use instruments and stuff. But I'm like, no, real desi mums know how to put their fingers in the fire, flip it. Literally, over. like they don't have any reaction to burning their hands. Like, no, they go straight in. And I'm like, how are you doing this? this I so have no idea. My parents just don't have feeling in their fingers. I'm convinced. <laughs> and I'm just like, whenever I touch something remotely hot, they're just like oh my god just get the like the oven mitts and stuff and then they won't even touch the oven mitts they'll just like get a tiny cloth just be like i know my hands are burning but i'm like you're crazy you're crazy i don't know how you're doing it when i moved out my parents home i actually just i was so excited to have that chance of escaping suburbia and I say suburbia because Surrey is this wonderful place that is like we all try to claim we live in London, but we don't. We don't. Actually, I live a field off. The field that's behind me actually counts as London. I do not. <laughs> like that's You're so close to the postcode. Yeah, I'm this close, but I'm so not close enough. And I was just excited to explore who I am outside of my family's molding of me. And I think that's really pivotal in moving out. And I could actually see where I stood on certain things for myself in terms of politics, feminism and values and more of that kind of stuff. Have you found this space has created boundaries for you? And have you developed in ways that you couldn't see yourself developing in at your parents' home? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, like I mentioned, I grew up in a really, well, aside from kind of having spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house in in Walthamstow, East London. I had this weird, oh, this is the classic, I do hate this, like, mixed identity diaspora, like, problem that, like, I swear every, every person likes to say, like, they had this identity crisis or whatever. But, have like, you seen I that TikTok spent, video where he's, like, wait, there's this TikTok video of this guy who's just, like, 
mimicking how all Asians, like every, like all the diaspora is just like, you know, it's this, um, I'm stuck between two worlds. And he's using like overcomplicated words. And I'm just like, you have a point. And I was just like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in, I don't want to be that. I'm retiring that logic. Like, I'm not going to say that. But I am like, that. It is, it is a thing that a lot of us experience, and that's very, very valid. Um, but the thing is, because I grew up in... My formative years took place. Well, I say formative years. So you're still, I mean, in my early, early 20s. But, like, my teenage years, where you just don't know who you are and want to be like everybody else, was in a, a white area. So my experience, as much as I wish it wasn't, is really, really tied to that because I wanted to be white so bad right and I wasn't caught in an identity crisis because I didn't I denied the part of my identity which is the Pakistani side so it wasn't even a crisis for me it was just a straight up denial up until I was like 18 19 um which is you know quite like that's it's still young but like I went through high school basically not really acknowledging or not wanting to be you know not why and then doing the thing where you make yourself the butt of the joke like I used to work on my identity to make myself you know before anyone else could get to me I just do it myself right being the only Pakistani and also the only Muslim that was like my peak identity which is awful when I look back at I'm like why did I do that but it's like what you is what I thought that I had to do and I think moving out has definitely given me the space to actually find who I am and get in touch with you would think that it'd be opposite way around, but moving out actually has made me way more in touch with my culture because it's allowed me to find myself and what is important to me and my values outside of who I thought I wanted to be back when I was at home. So I think that's really important. And, you know, partly because I now live in an area where everyone else is Asian as well. Mm. And, you know, going to Queen Mary and like seeing everybody else being Asian and living in Myland. And last year I lived in Whitechapel and like all the things which are normal there are things of Asian culture and it makes you feel so much more at home. Um, So I think that's one thing. And then also, yeah, finding out who I wanted to be in terms of like what I felt my politics were and like you said feminism is really important and the values you hold to yourself and like molding who I want to be based on those that I've now taken three years out to discover for myself and I know is based on what I believe rather than the images of what someone else wants me to be or you know the expectations that your your parents put on you so I think what actually has ended up happening for me is that you know I've actually ended up becoming a person who my parents are proud of anyway like they're mm-hmm. proud of and they're supportive but I the the key thing is that I found my way there by myself rather than being forced into it or pushed into being someone that they you know yeah. want to be I'm probably still not the ideal daughter I will say that um I have my mother <laughs> and there's still things I don't know and there are parts of my life that I complete I keep completely separate from my family which is understandable because I'm still 22 and I'm still figuring shit out right but I think I've actually ended up naturally, you know, more in tune with, you know, what they want from a daughter than I thought. So I think I wouldn't have been able to get there by myself if I hadn't moved out and actually allowed myself to go through it all and experience what I wanted to experience on my own, independent of that. And, you know, also feeling guilty <laughs> when you're at home and trying to... You, it's like you, you feel so guilty for like wanting to be someone else or like wanting to explore or like f- thinking things that are just different so yeah I think that that's been really important for me and I can also set my boundaries of like well what's actually too far 
across the line of like things that don't sit right with me anymore like I, I now have that boundary in place when it comes yeah. to what I believe or like family or like things that people expect of me or like whatever like I now know my boundaries with that I had this very vague understanding like you know you know there are double standards within yeah. the community you know that politics can be a bit awry especially between our communities and all the other communities within the diaspora and coming to Queen Mary well not just Queen Mary but living in East London it really did open my eyes to a lot more than I was expecting I just thought I was going to be that continue being that little stuck up sorry girl you know I was very blur Waldorf I feel when I got because I went through a lot during high school and then yeah and then after all that shit I went through in high school I kind of was just very on edge all the time my my good friend Emma she always points it out she's like you were very on edge and then at uni I was like you know what I'm gonna go off the rails I was you know that episode of Friends I don't know if you watch Friends but when Phoebe goes running with Rachel and she's like out of control and then Rachel's like well that's really embarrassing why would you run like that and then she starts running like that and she's like oh my god this is so free and fun I decided to run how all the other kids ran and boy was it fun and boy was it fun too yeah (laughs) I think that's natural though like so many people like girls especially do do that when they get to uni because it's like you're finally you're you're just exposed to this whole other world of stuff yeah but the thing is I've like the thing is my parents never like said it was off access to us my like if we went to a party and we wanted to drink they were like yeah that's fine just be safe about it like Mm -hmm. if um when it comes to like drinking my parents have always been like we would rather you do it at home than do something stupid outside and I didn't really drink because I was always down at it. And then I started drinking and I was like, dear God, this is why my parents always told me to drink at home. Because when I first got drunk, I did not understand what was going on. I was just like, well, because I remember I was like, my friend was having a Red, Red Bull and vodka. And I was like, okay, I'll try some. So I poured half a cup of vodka and half, oh and half of Red Bull. Red Bull, right? Obviously, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, vodka is basically like cider. It's like 15%. It's nothing. Obviously, I didn't read the bottle. And next thing I know, I'm just like, my head is swaying, everything's swaying, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on with me? And I wasn't making sense to myself. And then they were like, you're drunk. This is what being drunk is like. And I'm like, fuck, (laughs) that person who does that. And then, um, yeah, clearly I became that person who does that because I was like, this is a great feeling. And then two years later, I was just like, this is not a, when you've got all these deadlines going on and I'm like hungover getting a call from the NSS survey (laughs) at nine o'clock in the morning, I'm just like. Tell us your thoughts. No, my thoughts are, leave me alone. I thought the NSS was like calling me again. I was like, oh God. That would be great. Just someone messaging me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I really did learn for myself how, how, where I stood with feminism and stuff. Because there are some things that me, my mum and my sister, we will just never see eye to eye. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have a battle over it because I'm very big on, you know, you've got to choose your battles and you can't 
as much as you can lead the horse to the water, you can't make them drink it kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, I'm like, it's sad that that's a part of our relationship and like that's really been highlighted now, but I think it's been a good thing that that boundary has been created. Like, yeah. I know what I'm going to impart onto my nieces and nephews when my sister and brother decide to have them because I don't want them. And I think that's the other part of my feminism. Where I'm just like, I have the right to decide that, but yeah, I come from and a very conservative family where they wouldn't agree with that. Yeah. And that's the thing though. It's, it's knowing you figure that out for yourself rather than someone forcing you into like a certain like view. So yeah. I think that it's it's the element of choice which is probably the most important. Like it's my choice now to live the way I f- I feel is comfortable with me, and part of that ends up naturally aligning with what your parents want anyway, and part of it doesn't, and then you can set those boundaries yeah. for yourself. But it's figuring that out on your own and actually having the space and choice to do so, which I think is really key to moving out. And I think that's the thing when I have these discussions with other people, they're just like, you know, why don't you fight your parents over this, like with um, interfaith marriage or like um, interracial things. And I'm less like, you got to realize is that you got to decide when to choose your battles. Like that's the big advice I give people in life. I'm just like, you got to think about it in hindsight. Are you ready to die on this hill? Yeah. Hill. Are you ready to <laughs> fight the battle on this hill and go down on it? And are if they the not, people you should be fighting? Yeah. Are, is this what's going to happen? And if it's the case, if it's a yes, then go and do it because that is the right thing to do. If it's not going to happen, then you've got to decide for yourself what's going to happen because you can't give in and waste it. You've got to play it tactfully. Tactfully? Yeah. Yes. That's something you learn in international relations, obviously. Yes, that is my degree. Um, <laughs> social science gal. No, I think that that would be my advice for people is I personally have a huge hand in destroying a lot of the confidence that my and trust my parents had in me mm. um, and our relationship because I used to fight every single battle because I was so desperate to just you know do what I want and I used to literally fight every single battle even ones which I'm now like that wasn't worth it like you didn't need to do that but I used to fight every single battle and it actually isn't worth it and I think that growing up and moving out has made me realize that your parents aren't the enemy that you want them to be it's really easy to make you you want especially if you feel guilty about stuff that you do if you do things behind your parents back which I did so I used Mm -hmm. to feel immensely guilty about it which in order to feel better about myself, I used to just make them into the enemy, right? But yeah. they're actually not. A lot of the things they do is just because they want to protect you and they love you. And it's actually a lot easier to not fight every battle and just try and find compromises. And having a better relationship with your parents in that way will just mean that they end up trusting you more and you will end up getting the things you want eventually down in the long run. Like it's a long game, right? Yeah. That's what I found is because now I'm at a position where they, tr- they trust me mm-hmm. and they know that I'm responsible. They know that I can live independently. So all the things that I wanted, you know, years ago, which I used to fight them about, they're totally happy for me to do now because they know that we built a relationship where it's way more trusting. Yeah. And they know that I can take care of myself and I don't need to fight them about everything. And I no longer view them as the enemy. So I think that's definitely my, obviously, like I said, this comes with hindsight and experience. Yeah. Um, but I think that would definitely be my, my final advice is, yeah. Listen to Vinny. She says, pick your battles and then listen to me. <laughs> and I also agree. 
don't they're not always the enemy like play a long game sometimes and it might actually work out in your favor I think that's a good note to end off on because you know there are many things people should know before they move out but they're not Mm. always equipped with that knowledge from anyone and I I would say like moving back in for me it's me showing my parents that you know this is a choice I have made now like my decision not to be in relationships and stuff and not to want that future of a nuclear family I'm saying that's a choice right that's a choice I've made that choice can change and I think they're starting to realize that I think they're holding out hope for the choice changing but I'm like at the moment it's in it's in solid concrete you know I'm gonna need to like good thing you've got siblings right yeah I'm like it's a good thing I've got siblings you know I, I don't know have you watched Bridgerton I have watched Bridgerton. Okay, so you know how the third daughter Eloise, was like, yeah, she doesn't want, she doesn't want it, she doesn't and she's like, married. and she's like, I kind of don't want Daphne to get married because the attention will be on me. <laughs> That's me. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, please, you don't have to do it. You know, you don't like just like lengthen out the process so that my headache can start later on in life. That's, See, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> Mine and my sister's thing is that she, obviously she's the oldest one, so she has like the expectation to get married before me, but like she wants a really small low-key wedding. Like she doesn't want the big fancy wedding with 50,000 people and like fancy caterers and all that. Like she doesn't, she doesn't want any of that. So it's like, oh no, but that means that I'm the one that's going to be expected to have the lavish wedding and like have my dad invite all 2000 of his Facebook friends and like every you know person in the community under the sun is gonna have to be at my wedding so I'm like no. my sister wants like, to do I'm that like, to my older sister like please can we both have medium-sized weddings please because otherwise it's all gonna fall on me <laughs> that's our problem not that I mind I don't mind having a big wedding but it's just kind of funny that way no my sister wants a small one too and I'm just sitting there thinking you're setting me up here yeah literally I'm like you're you're setting me up even if I decide to do it then I don't want to I don't want a big one either because I as much as I love being a Madonna and an attention queen um yeah I can't have it on me for that long I'm still an introvert at heart my personality test is very 50 50 (laughs) but do you have any final advice to give my audience oh I would say if you're right now in the position where you're you know in the pandemic and you don't know whether to move out or not i would say one thing is to not rush because like Mm. we said it's not a signal of being successful just because you move out right it's actually really hard so don't rush and you know don't be too busy constantly fighting your parents because you're in that rush i think those those are two things which kind of coincide take your time like it's okay to take your time with with things like moving out it's a big deal but it's also at the same time you know you'll get there eventually and it's a it's something which I think everyone should do just because it really helps you build who you are and but it's also okay if you don't end up moving out you can still find other avenues to figure out who you are if you are in your parents home like you are where you've had to go back into because of the pandemic some things are not under your control all the time and if the last year hasn't shown us that then I don't know what will but some things aren't in your control and that's okay but finding who you are independent of your family is something that you can do in or out and yeah that's my final advice I guess thank you so much for that and thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me yeah so that's the end of the episode today would you like to give your social handles where can the awesome audience of Asianish find you next 
the awesome audience of Asian Ish can follow my Instagram page at Raya, it's R-A-I-Y-A-H dot blog. Um, that's my blog page. I do write about you know stuff about identity and being asian and whatever speaking of bridgerton i actually wrote a really cool thing about how bridgerton um and south asian marriage culture is the same so go check that out um so yeah that's my instagram and my twitter is at raya underscore but so you can find me there all right so that's a wrap on today's episode if you want to keep up with me you can follow me at finnie corsandu on instagram or on twitter at vks followed by five underscores or find me on my website vinnysandu.com that's all from me today and i'll see you next week